Max's Morning Market Mania has returned. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Maxwell Kosmolsky. Thank you for tuning in. All of you normal listeners, you know I've been MIA for the last couple months. And for that, I'm sorry. I haven't really been paying too much attention to the markets or politics or, frankly, anything. I've kind of just detoxed from the bullshit because it's just one piece of bullshit after another that gets us all enraged. And then we focus on that, but it's actually a distraction. And honestly, it was kind of nice to get some peace and quit paying attention to politics, politics especially. You know, I can continue to pay attention to the financial world without too much stress, but I, I took a break. I was MIA, but I'm back here. And if you guys are still here listening to me and supporting me, then I appreciate that. And as you guys know, I do this not because I'm qualified to give financial advice, just because I want you guys to take the steps necessary to propel yourselves forward with your financial futures. As I always say, no one's going to be there to save you. I'm 24 years old. A lot of you might be younger, and we all know that we are not getting pensions when we're older, when we're in retirement. Social Security is set to be insolvent in the early 2030s. We are not going to see that. We're paying into that system, and we're not going to get a dollar from it in the future. So the only solution is for us to become financially prosperous, and that's how we're going to get out of this crapshoot. No one's going to save us. So I'm not the person to take financial advice from, but you can take my advice when I say you should go get your finances in order. If you got to go talk to a professional who's got all the qualifications, the degrees that you want, and they passed the Series 7 or this or that, go talk to them. If you want to listen to people on the internet like Rick Rule or uh, any of these you know, financial minds, go do that. You're probably better off getting their information than mine, but I'm here just for fun. I like talking about finance, and what better thing to talk about than this absolute crapshoot that is surfaced lately. This is kind of what really got me back into paying attention to finance. As I said, I took a break, but after hearing, you know, in mid-March that we had the the largest bank failure since 2008, that really it caught my eye. And shortly after that, the third largest bank failure in history followed. The first was Silicon Valley Bank and the second was Signature Bank, and it it has been a crapshoot. The Fed had to conduct some emergency meetings. Uh, Janet Yellen, the secretary treasury, she's over there talking with Congress about, you know, everyone's worried that, you know, is this systemic? Is this going to cause another 2008-like scenario? So is this the GFC 2.0? Is this the great financial crisis again? I don't know. And the truth is we probably won't find out for a while because in 2008, the first domino that fell was Bear Stearns. And I believe that was in about mid-March, which we're in March right now. And uh, it was about six months after that Lehman fell. So shit really hit the fan once Lehman fell, but Bear Stearns was just the first domino to go. So is that how this is going to play out? Maybe the next six months we see more problems? Maybe. I'm not sure. But let's start by getting into why Silicon Valley Bank went down. So it all started with uh, SVB trading down, it was down 60% pre-market. And I should mention that Jim Cramer the week before was telling us that it was cheap at $320 a share, but they halted trading when it was at $60 and it, after it was already down 60%. So shout out Jim Cramer. Uh, so we had these banks get uh, 
get acquired for Citizens Bank. They bought SVB. Uh, now they're about the 15th biggest bank in the United States for Citizens Bank. Uh, UBS acquired Signature Bank. And let's talk about why they went down. Signature Bank, they went down. And why did this happen? It happened because the last couple years, they, like many other banks, most, if not all, they buy up these treasuries, these government bonds. And in the, as we know, rates have gone up in the last couple of years, specifically in the last you know, 12 to 16 months or so. And they had all of this, all these assets, all these bonds that were paying two, maybe 3% or even lower than that. I mean, rates were down at 0% in early 2021. So they have all these bonds and mortgage-backed securities, treasuries, you name it, and they're paying these super low yields, 1% or 2% maybe. Well, now you can get the same bond, the same, like right now the 10-year treasury is at about 3.5%, but if you bought it two years ago, it would have only given you maybe 1%. I don't know the exact figures, but I know it was far, far less. So here is what you guys need to understand. So they owned all of these bonds that paid very low interest rates, and then interest rates went up. So it made those bonds that they already own less appealing. So let's look into supply and demand. Would there be more demand for a bond that pays 4% compounded annually, or would there, would there be more demand for a bond that pays 2% compounded annually? Obviously, you know, people would rather have 4% than 2%. So what happens to those bonds that they got into at 2%? Well, their face value falls off a cliff. They might be down 20, 30, 40%. And that's only if they wanted to sell it right now at face value. If they can afford to hold these bonds until the maturity, then they'll get their initial investment back plus the interest accrued. But Silicon Valley Bank was in a pickle and they didn't have time to wait until maturity for to get the full face value of the bonds or the full value. So they had to sell it for what it was worth. And right now, an investor who can pay X dollars for a bond that pays 4% compounded annually, they're not going to pay nearly as much for a bond that's only paying 2% every single year. So they ended up taking a massive loss. Uh, they, they took like a $1.8 billion book loss, and it, it was a slippery slope. People started pulling their money out. They found out that Silicon Valley Bank lost quite a bit of money on that. They were in a bit of a squeeze. People were pulling their money out and they had to sell these bonds. They didn't want to. They had to sell them at a loss just to give the depositors their money. And for the record, as you guys know, uh, the FDIC insured amount is $250,000. So if you had $250,000 in a bank that went bankrupt, your $250,000 is insured by our government. But if you had $500,000, then you're shit out of luck for half of it. And actually 96% of SVB was uninsured deposits. So there was big players and it was mostly involved in tech, which as we know, boomed in the last couple of years. And since then has kind of plateaued and fallen off a cliff a little bit. So I hope that makes sense for you guys because it was, it was really hard for me to understand at the beginning and I still don't completely understand it, but basically, the bonds that they own are not worth as much as the bonds that are available today in the free and open market. And they were forced to sell them even though they didn't want to. And they were forced to sell them for pennies on the dollar or more like dimes on the dollar. So let's get into some facts. 
Uh, this may be the first domino. And I've said this in most of my max morning market manias. The Federal Reserve will raise rates until something happens, something breaks, and then they have no choice but to lower rates. And right now they're fighting inflation. Jerome Powell just came out and he said they're, well, he raised rates another uh, 0.25%, 25 basis points. And he said there's no pivot coming, which a pivot is them reversing course and firing up the printing press and lowering rates again. So he's telling the public that that's not going to happen. But we remember he said that inflation was transitory for, he told us that crap for a year. And then he was like, all right, it's not transitory. I mean, I could have told you guys that. I, pro I probably was telling people that. So Jerome Powell, he's telling us what we need to hear. He's got a job to do. He cannot have us panic. And he said that this is not, there is no systemic risks with this. But contrary to that, uh, the Congress was grilling Janet Yellen about this, and she was talking about how their plans to, uh, the federal government is not going to be there to bail out all of these tiny banks. So your mom and pop bank on 123 Main Street or whatever, who has you know, 60, 70 customers, if, if they go under, they're not going to be bailed out by the federal government. But obviously, you know, if J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, these big banks, if they go under, taxpayers are going to save their ass no matter what. So what this does is it makes people scared. If you have half a million dollars or a million dollars in a small mom and pop bank and you know that the government is not going to be there to save them, why would you hold that extra 750K in that bank when you can move it to a bigger bank that you know is not going to go under? The problem with this is it's going to consolidate power into the giant banks. The banks like J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, all these banks, they're going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. They're going to eat up all the smaller banks. And then this is where capitalism gets bad because monopolies are created. And there's going to be like six or seven players running the entire show. So this presents some systemic risk. I mean, the fact that Janet Yellen was even talking about this in front of Congress all of these banks and financial institutions, if they bought government debt, any kind of bond or treasury in the last couple of years, they're underwater on it right now. If they were to sell it right now because they had to, then they would take a hit. They would lose money. And there is a scenario where they might have to do that because we have something called fractional reserve banking. And that's where, say, uh, a bank has $100 million in assets. They're required to hold like at least 6 or 7% in cash so that there's liquidity. So people can move their money in and out of the bank. So if they have 100 million in assets, they'll have six or seven million in cash. But what happens if something happens and people want to pull 20 million out? Then they're going to be forced to take a loss on the bonds because they need to sell them in order to give the depositors their money. Either that or they say, sorry, we can't, we can't afford to pay you out. You can only take out X dollars at a time. So this could present systemic risks because we know a lot of financial institutions and banks, they purchased this, these assets in the last couple of years. And if they're not holding them to maturity, then they're going to probably take a pretty big hit. So is this something to worry about? I don't know. Right now, I told you that they're fighting inflation. Jerome Powell says they're still doing that. But I think at some point there will be a scenario where they have to choose between a deflationary bust, which will be the most damaging to an economy, highest unemployment, uh, highest foreclosures, 
uh, most bit, the highest amount of businesses uh, being closed, or hyperinflation. So they're going to choose between deflation or inflation, and they'll choose inflation 11 times out of 10 because it doesn't absolutely destroy the economy. And if the economy is destroyed, then, <clears throat> pardon me, if the economy is destroyed, then the U.S. government isn't going to get nearly as many taxpayer dollars, which they want those taxpayer dollars. That's what keeps them alive. All that spending, that's how they get their votes. So 11 times out of 10, they will choose inflation. So, so there were some analysts at uh, J.P. Morgan saying that the Federal Reserve could inject up to $2 trillion into the market just to offset all of these systemic risks. And I, I believe it. I looked at uh, the Federal Reserve's data today. Uh, if you type in Fred on you know, DuckDuckGo or whatever search engine you use, uh, it brings you to the Federal Reserve economic data. And I looked at the Federal Reserve's balance sheet, and part of their plan to fight inflation was obviously raise interest rates to slow down the economy so that inflation isn't as rampant. And part of that is also reducing the balance sheet that the Federal Reserve has. Their balance sheet is comprised of mortgage-backed securities, government debt, all that good stuff. And if, if the Federal Reserve owns stuff on their balance sheet, it means they printed money to get it. I mean, the Federal Reserve doesn't earn any money, they, they just print it. If you and I do that, it's called counterfeiting. If they do it, it's called quantitative easing. So I looked at this data and uh, let me get the exact numbers. When, we, when Jerome Powell decided that they were gonna start raising interest rates to fight inflation, that's when the balance sheet peaked and that was at about 8.96 trillion. And we made substantial progress in our, you know, we were fighting inflation. Uh, we got it down a couple percentage points. Uh, they're fabricating a lot of that stuff. They lie about the statistics of inflation, but they did get a lot of the assets off of their, the balance sheet. It went from 8.96 trillion down to 8.34 trillion. That number is on March 8th, 8.34 trillion. Well, now, today, it's uh, the end of March, almost. Now it's back up to 8.73 trillion. So since these banks went down, the Federal Reserve has increased their balance sheet by 400 billion. And you know they didn't get that money from taxes or anything. They printed it. They printed that money and they bought up assets. So is this kind of them being forced to play the hand where they need to go back and they need to pivot and start lowering rates, start printing more money just to stimulate the economy so that it's not a complete crapshoot? It might be. But then again, what do I know? Uh, what else have we got? So I told you guys it was six months between Bear Stearns and Lehman. I think we might see something similar to that. So I'm, I'm keeping my eyes peeled. Uh, I'm getting back in the financial game, guys. Uh, I haven't been trading nearly as much. I uh, haven't been consuming as much news, but I'm getting back into it. And I think this is kind of where you get your popcorn out and you, you really just sit back and you enjoy the show. You make sure you got liquidity. You don't, you don't ever, even, in a, even with inflation, you don't want to be stuck without any cash. Because as Rick Rule says, if you, have, if you have extra cash, it's like an option premium. You can take advantage of market volatility rather than being taken advantage of. If asset prices crash beyond belief because you know another bank goes down, then 
I'll be on the sidelines with cash ready to buy, but it at least gives you an option. If you're strapped for cash, then you run into a scenario like this bank did. The bank was strapped for cash, and now they were just acquired for pennies on the dollar. Uh, I thought I had it written down, but I guess I don't. Oh, uh, no, I don't have it written down how much they were purchased for. But they were purchased for pennies on the dollar. And you guys don't want to be in any scenario like that. So get your popcorn out. Make sure you're paying attention to what's going on. Make sure you're making the right moves with your money. If you need to be investing in an index fund, do that. If you need to be buying gold, do that. Gold just uh, broke through 2,000 an ounce not too long ago. It's chilling at like 1980 right now. If you think crypto is what you should be doing, maybe you should be doing that. Uh, right now, I kind of like short-term debt. Uh, you can get uh, a six-month treasury that you can, uh, it'll mature in six months, and then you can just put your money right back into it. Your, your money is only locked in for six months at a time, and you know, it's giving you like 4% compounded annually. I mean, that's, that's better than being trapped in a 10 or 20 or 30 year treasury or bond or whatever, then, you know, you guys get what I'm saying. Get your popcorn out. I'm rambling now. We've got big things happening in the financial realm. Uh, second big, the biggest bank going under since the GFC in 2008. That is big news, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what's gonna happen next, but I'll be here to report on it on Max's Morning Market Mania. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Max Wilkismalski. Have a good day.